Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Probably are tired of hearing me say it, but hey, Mark is trying to answer what question? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It matters who you believe Jesus is. It matters what you think about Jesus Christ. And we've mentioned before, Jesus Christ did not leave options on the table about who he is. C.S. Lewis talks about Jesus didn't leave an option that you could either say, I'm a great teacher I'm a great moral instructor, or you can believe that I'm the Messiah, or you might just want to believe that I'm one of many ways to God. No, no, Jesus was very emphatic that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am God in the flesh. And so many people today, they want to embrace Jesus for someone that he never claimed to be. Was he a good moral teacher? Absolutely. But he was so much more than that. So oftentimes I would hear people say, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe he was God in the flesh. But I do believe in Jesus. Then you don't believe in Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus never left room for us just to accept him as a moral teacher, just as another prophet. He is, was God in the flesh. And so Mark is putting forth this question and we see the crowds are wrestling with who Jesus is. We see the crowds are kind of, there's something different about this guy, but we don't quite get it. He's healing his popularity. It's growing. His fame is growing. He's casting out demons. And so people are starting to say, he's different. He's different. And then, as you know, his closest uh, comrades, right, the disciples, do they know who he is? They're still struggling. So he walks on the water last week, right? And they just went ballistic, like, oh, my goodness, it's a ghost. They missed it. No, it's not a ghost. It is I. It is I. They never put it together. God is creator. God created the water. Jesus is walking on the water. Ding! He must be God. (laughs) They never got it until after the resurrection. And then they would have, then they got it. And and they knew that surely this, this, as the centurion soldier said, this is the son of God. We come to the text today. And while Jesus is teaching and and while he's doing these miracles and and he's pointing to who he is and his own mission and he's headed to the cross, we have the disciples, we have the crowds, but then we have this other group of people, the Pharisees, that are constantly there. Kind of like those gnats when you're trying to have a barbecue. It's just like, man, right? Like everything's nice, it smells good, the weather's good, the lemonade is done, and these gnats 
Those are the Pharisees. <laughs> okay. Why? Because the Pharisees had determined, I tell you what you need to do to be right with God. You do what we say. We are the Pharisees. We are God's spokesperson. You do what we say. Jesus comes along and basically says this. Don't listen to them. They don't even know God. As a matter of fact, they're two times more the sons of hell than the people that are trying to convert. Oh, snap. Can you imagine if God said, can you? Like, what, what just happened? The Pharisees were probably like, and Jesus is like, no, they are putting yokes and bondage on you. They don't speak for God. I speak for God because I am God. So there's this tension between the Pharisees and the scribes and Jesus. Jesus is breaking the mode, if you will. Jesus is turning religion on its head. That's what I love about Jesus. He's not interested in your religion. He's not interested in your traditions. When you raise your tradition above the commands of God. And he comes, and we're going to see in this passage, where he just turns things on its head. The Pharisees were steep in tradition. To the point where they choke out the love of God and the grace of God. And they just spewed law. Rules that they made up, not the Mosaic law, stuff that they made up. And Jesus comes and dismantles the entire thing. So let's ask God to open up our eyes as we look at this text. Father, thank you for your word. It changes our thinking. It changes our hearts and ultimately changes our lives. And I pray, God, to that end for all of us today as we hear your word, your truth. Use it, Father to change your hearts today in Christ's name. Amen. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled or unclean. That is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots, and copper vessels, and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? Wow, Jesus pulls no punches. <laughs> I'm going to give you an answer, and I'm going to start by quoting a prophet, and I'm going to call you a hypocrite. Isaiah had you in mind. <laughs> As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
in vain. In other words, to no point. It's useless. In vain do they worship me. Teaching as doctrines. Now catch this. The commandments of men. Teaching as doctrines. Teaching, this is what God would have you to do. You've switched it out for the commandments of men. That's a serious violation. You leave the commandment of God, verse 8, and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. Wow. And now he gives them an example. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. In other words, if you don't respect your parents, if you write them off, Moses says you shall surely die. Now, they would have been familiar with that law of Moses. Look at verse 11. And then Jesus says, but you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus making void the word of God. Making void the word of God. You're changing what God demands by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. When the Pharisees see that Jesus' Jesus's disciples are not following the tradition of washing, it's important to understand this has nothing to do with clean hands. This has nothing to do with hygiene. The Pharisees had all of these washings that you had to do in order to keep yourself pure before God. This is not just about washing hands. Where did they get this from? Like, why did they even instill something like this in what they believed? Well, it's not far-fetched what happened. Go back to the Old Testament. The high priest, the priests were ordered by God to wash themselves as a symbolic ritual of cleansing themselves before they made offerings for the people. Remember the tabernacle? What did the tabernacle have in it? Remember it had a basin of water in there? Okay. All right. Fair enough. But where in the Old Testament did God ever tell the people to wash themselves? Yeah, you won't find that. This is where you Pharisees come along and say, God said this, now we're going to add to it. And not only did they add the washing of hands, which was ritualistic to say that I am pure, I am untouched, I am clean. Look at what the passage says. Go back to the beginning. The Pharisees they came down from Jerusalem about 90 miles away. <laughs> they didn't take an Uber. 90 miles away, you're coming down because they need to confront this Jesus. Because word is getting back to them. This guy is like trampling all of our laws. Right? So they come down and notice they saw some of the disciples. They're eating with hands that are unclean. 
They're not washing their hands properly. Look at verse 3. Here's the problem for the Pharisees. They weren't holding to the tradition of the elders, what the religious leaders said. We are in charge. We're God's spokespersons. You guys aren't doing it the right way. This has some tremendous application to our time in 2020. But let's keep going for now. Not only is it that they're not washing their hands, but the implication here is you are Jesus' disciples. They could really care less about the disciples. This was an indictment on your rabbi. Your rabbi, Jesus, is not legit because he's not keeping to what we, God's spokespersons, have said needs to be done. Therefore, making him an illegitimate rabbi. You have to understand that's the intensity of what's behind this. Whenever they accuse the disciples, why do you disciples not do this? Why do you disciples not do this? That's an indication because you're not a truthful rabbi. You're not God's spokesperson. Why? Because you're breaking the rules. And we know you're breaking the rules because we're looking at the behavior of your disciples. So look at the text. Not only did they have this thing of washing your hands properly, which was ritualistic of being holy or being clean. Notice that in verse four. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that these Pharisees put in place. Look at this. Washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Wow. See all the stuff that they added? Can you imagine watching this Pharisee come from the marketplace? Now, why was it important for them to do this ritualistic cleaning when they come from the marketplace. Because perhaps when I was in the marketplace with all these Gentiles, I might have bumped up against a Gentile making me unclean. I mean, just, just stop for a minute and think about the, the religious or religiosity of these people. They were stuck on themselves. So imagine this group of Pharisees, if you will, coming from the marketplace, and it's lunchtime. What would you see? You would see these Pharisees going through ritualistic cleansing. Say, uh, why are you doing all that? We, we have come from the marketplace. Unless the Gentiles have made us unclean, we are now purifying ourselves. Just picture this. And they have all the, and not only that, now we have to wash our cups a certain way. Now we got to wash the plate a certain way. Now the couch, before we sit on it, we got to wash that a certain way. Can you imagine if you're a delivery guy from like Domino's, you're standing there with the pizza, like, can you take the pizza already? We're not ready yet. Now we must, (laughs) all of this ritualistic stuff. Why? Because if we don't do this, we're going to be unclean, polluted by the Gentiles. You got to understand, this is the weight of this ritual cleansing that these Pharisees did. Okay? So, so, so you, got, you got these pompous, arrogant religious leaders going through all of that. 
right? And, 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 and just picture, I'm trying to contemporize it. Picture, Domino's guy standing there with the pizza, like, okay, are you, are you ready yet? <laughs> you want your pizza? Here come the disciples. Oh, pizza. Yo, you want a piece? And the Pharisees are like, oh, oh. They're, not, they're not cleansing themselves. What are you doing? You see what's happening here? Why do your disciples, which is an accusation at Jesus, why do your disciples not walk, look at verse 5, according to the tradition of the elders? They're eating with unclean hands. Everybody who knew a Pharisee knew about these washings. And here come these disciples. No doubt that some people watching this would have been like, uh-oh, look at Jesus' disciples. Oh, my goodness, they're eating without going through the ritualistic cleaning. Oh, here come the Pharisees. Oh, my goodness, they're going to get it. Right? Pharisees think they have Jesus on a violation of God's law. So you have to understand, they raised their tradition above the law of God. They called Jesus out, and look what Jesus says. Let me tell you what he doesn't say. Disciples, what are you doing? Put down that pizza. Don't you know you need to cleanse yourself? Doesn't say that, does he? Look at what Jesus does. Immediately... In verse 6, he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Can you feel the weight of that? Jesus just called the religious leaders a bunch of hypocrites. Not only that, here's the sting of this. They were students of the law. So they knew about Isaiah. So Jesus is like that Isaiah that you know about, that you're so proud that you can talk about in synagogue, about the Torah and about the prophet Isaiah. You know who he's talking about when he talks about a hypocrite? You. Wow. Look what happens. He quotes the passage. Your worship is vain. What is the problem with these Pharisees? You're honoring me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Your worship means nothing to me. Means nothing to me. It's empty. In vain do they worship me. Now, why? Why? Please catch this, guys. And this is, look, as, as we try to infiltrate this community with the love of God, there are people out here who don't understand what it means to be a Christian. They don't understand. They think I got to clean myself up first. I got to look like you, walk like you, smell like you, listen to your music before God will accept me. No. None of that makes you clean. Why does God say I don't accept your worship? Isaiah in 7 says what? Because you're teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Men, not what God says. I don't want to be a church where people get their 
perception of God, of what it means to be right with God from what Allentown Fellowship says. That's dangerous. It ought to be from what God says in his word. It ought to be what God says in his word, not what some man has established. You know what this is called in our modern day? Legalism. Legalism. You're not godly if you don't have a suit and tie on. How can you say you know Jesus Christ? Come walking in his sanctuary without a tie. There are people who still believe that way today. They're taking their tradition and they're rising it above the law of God. They're saying there is something external that if you don't do something external, then you're unclean. We're going to see here in a minute what Jesus has to say about doing something external to make you clean. If you don't do something external, so if you don't look the part, if you don't wear the right thing, if you, therefore you're unclean. This is what the Pharisees were all about. So if you would have seen the Pharisees, let's put them into modern day. You know what you would have seen? Guy who has the right version under his arm. He has the right suit and tie on. He listens to the right music, which is the hymns only. He listens to... <laughs> Right. Everything is like he looks, smells, walks like a Christian. And you know what Jesus would say in modern times? See the guy right there? He's a hypocrite. I don't know. him. Wow. Why? Because he's doing all that external stuff, but there's no heart change. There's no heart. Guys, this is something that you've probably seen. I've seen in churches. Some of the people that would shout the loudest in church from the churches we grew up at. Shout the loudest. Praising God. Speaking in tongues. And after service, go on the sidewalk and hear how they're talking to people. And it's like, well, is that the same person that was just slain in the spirit? You see them in relationships, and there's no sense of godliness in their life at all. But they're, they're there at the church every Sunday. They're in Sunday school. They're teaching Sunday school. They're doing all that stuff. Outwardly, inwardly, they've never been changed. This is the Pharisees. Guys, don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. External conforming does not change a man's heart. And how many people, I would guess, if I walk the streets of Allentown and just walk up to anybody and just do a little survey and say, "Max, you a question. You think you'd be able to walk into a church right now if you wanted to? My guess would be over 50 percent would be like, no, man, I can't come walking in like this. You know, I just, you know, I got, you know, they would look at the way they're dressed or they might talk about what they did the night before <laughs> or what they're about to go do. Man, I can't, I can't, you know. One guy said to me, man, if I walk into your church, the walls are going to fall in. You don't want me in there, boy. Looking at all the external. This doesn't mean that we compromise truth. Jesus Christ is still the way, 
The only way. We, we don't compromise truth, but we better not be preaching a message that makes people think if you do something on the external, you're clean before God. That is the biggest lie that's out there. And so people can feel good about themselves because they're going to church. They look good on the outside and on the inside. They're not submitting to the word of God, applying it to their lives. That's what the Pharisees are all about. What's the indictment? You're leaving the commandment of God and you're holding to the tradition of men. Now, in verse 9, notice, notice so far has Jesus answered the question, why are your disciples not following the rules? Has he answered that question? No, and he's not going to answer that question. Because it's an illegitimate question. The question is bogus. Right? But look what he does in verse 9. He's going to give an indictment on them. He turns it around and he says, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. This is your problem. You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. And then he gives this example about Moses saying, honor your father and mother. Right. But here's what you Pharisees do. You Pharisees know Moses said you ought to honor your father and mother. But you Pharisees have this tradition where you say, well, if you want to, you could take all your wealth and declare it Corbin. What that means is this. I'm going to dedicate all of my wealth to God as a gift. Wow. OK, that sounds like a nice thing to do. Right. But watch this. If you declared Corbin, it meant that all of my wealth is dedicated to God. I don't have to give that wealth to anyone else, including my parents. That's horrible. Wait a minute. No, it's not horrible. We're dedicating it to God. Oh, but there is this provision in the law that says you can use your wealth for yourself. Wow. You hypocrite you know your parents are over there in Galilee and they hardly have anything to eat and I understand that that you have herds of camels and sheep and grain why did you help them I can't I've dedicated that to the Lord I've declared Corbin do, do you see the hypocrisy of these people right religiosity Acting like you're holier than thou. And Jesus calls them out. You know what you guys are doing? Look at Jesus's commentary on this. Moses said, honor your father and mother. But you say, whatever you would have gained from me, it's Corbin. All of my wealth and everything I should be doing to help you, I've dedicated it to God. And then you no longer, verse 12, permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Look how God, look how Jesus evaluates that. Thus making void the word of God. You threw the word of God out by your tradition that you handed down. And many such things you do. Outward, outward, nothing on the inside. Now, let's continue. Let's go on. Because now he's going to bring kind of closure to this. Then he called the people to him again, and he said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. 
Watch this, guys. There is nothing outside. All those ritual cleanings, all those ritual washings, there is nothing outside a person, right, that by going into him can defile him. Dirty hands can't defile you. Rubbing up against a Gentile can't make you unclean. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. Sitting down and having a sandwich with a drug addict won't make you unclean. Rubbing up against a guy out there in the street who's homeless won't make you unclean. Pharisees would have never touched a homeless person. Why? Because they're unclean. Spiritual. Look at them. Look at the depravity. Must be something they did wrong. They're unclean. Did you understand what Jesus is saying here? Pharisees would have never gone and tried to cast out the demon of a demon-possessed man. What did Jesus do? Walk right up to him. Pharisees would have never touched a leper. What did Jesus do? Touch a leper. These Pharisees are all about the external. They could care less about the souls of man. And Jesus is breaking it down now. He says, listen, guys, you, you need to understand something. There is nothing external that if it goes into you, will defile you or make you unclean. But the things that come out of a person, that's what defiles you. In other words, what comes out of your heart is what defiles you, not external things. It's what's in your heart. Now, what? look what happens. And when he had entered the house and left the people, you often see him doing this. Now he's just with his disciples. His disciples asked about the parable and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot make him unclean? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. We don't cleanse ourselves, guys, because we're doing all the right things on the outside. That doesn't cleanse you. Only faith in Christ can cleanse you for the remission of sins. The Pharisees were not the people of God. But everything they did on the outside looked good. It looked good. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 19, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. All foods clean. Are all foods clean? What's the point here? Here's what he's saying. Foods have no power. Food has no power to make you unclean. That has nothing to do with your spiritual standing before God. Nothing. But wait a minute. It's pork. I can't eat that. That makes me unclean. No, it doesn't. It's pig. Jews aren't allowed to eat that stuff. God even told us in Leviticus. True. Why? It was a picture. It was a picture that God was using to say, you see that dirty, filthy animal? Stay away from it. Why? Because I'm a holy God. So he's giving them a word picture, if you will, an object lesson. Stay away from that. But when Christ comes along, what does he say? I didn't come and do away with the law. God is still holy, but I came to fulfill it. But you are not going to be clean by not eating pig now. You are now going to be clean by virtue of what I'm about to do on the cross. Understand what's happening here? Jesus didn't do away with the idea of holiness and uncleanness, but it's not because of animals now. It's because of relationship with Jesus Christ that you can be cleansed. Pharisees never got it. As a matter of fact, they added more laws. Jesus Christ goes on and he says, 
Thus he declared all foods clean. By the way, we see this in the New Testament too, right? Romans chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, where they had this struggle over meat. You Christians are eating meat that was offered to idols. How dare you? That's going to make you unclean. You, you see this happening in the church. And what does Paul say? Um, that's just steak. Yeah, but it was offered to the pagan God. Yeah, but that's not going to make them unclean. It's just steak. And the Christian's like, ha ha, I told you, told you. And Paul says, wait, but come here. But why would you eat that in front of this believer who thinks it's making you unclean? Oh, well, well, he needs to get over it. No, Paul says, put the steak away. Eat it privately in your own home. <laughs> okay? Not for your conscience sake, but for your brother's sake. Because in his mind, if he's struggling with that, he hasn't come along in his sanctification process where he realizes it's okay. Okay, well, don't make him stumble. Don't make him think that you're sinning. You see him coming up the driveway? Oh, put the steak away. Get the PB&J out. Make a sandwich for him. Here you go, man. Welcome. Let's have some lunch together. Eat your steak later. But let's get back to the passage here. It's not about what comes or what is external. It's what comes out of our hearts, guys. Look at what Jesus says, verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart, out of our will, the mind, right? It's all encompassing here. The heart, what you do, how you live, your obedience. Not this external stuff. Look at what he says. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And guess what? They defile a person. You see, here's the problem with the Pharisees, guys. We get ready to wrap up. Here's the problem with the Pharisees. It's easy to go through the ritual cleaning. That's easy, man. I can handle that. Come back from the marketplace, run. Don't forget to do the ritual clean, cleansing so you're clean before God. Oh, no problem. I'll do the cleansing. I'll say the prayers. I'll do the bowing. I'll wash my cup. I'll wash everything before I sit down. That's easy to do. Uh, how are you doing with lust? Um, how are you doing with envy and slander, Mr. Pharisee? See, those are harder. Because that means there needs to be a change in your heart. Did you understand what's going on here? They're doing the external things that have nothing to do with a heart change. And Jesus says, let me tell you what defiles a person, what comes out of his life. And I believe by implication, he was implicating them. You think you're clean because you do all the ritualistic cleaning, right? But let me tell you what comes out of your heart. And he gives this list. And I believe that many of these Pharisees could look at that list and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Guess what? You're unclean. You can wash yourself all you want, go through your rituals all you want. God's looking at the heart. God doesn't look at the outward appearance of man. He looks at the heart. What's coming out of your heart? And guys, this is where I see a lot of people falling into this trap today. They think that their life, it doesn't matter how I live out there, as long as when I'm, I come to church... I listen to music that's appropriate, but they don't look at the weightier matters of life, the weightier matters of the heart. Look at the list that he gives. Slander, evil, sensuality, deceit. What, what about those things? 
That's what God looks at and says our heart is desperately wicked and it needs to be cleansed. Outward stuff doesn't change you. Doesn't change you. You go to the average person, you start preaching the gospel to them. One of the things they may say to you is this. I'm not I'm not a bad person. I'm not as bad as this guy. I'm a pretty good guy. Why? Because he's looking at the external things that he does. And it might be some good things that he does. We just came off a missionary trip. Ron, I just did this. I just I worked at the food pantry. I was in the soup kitchen the other day. All these external things. And they think that, therefore, I'm okay with God. This was the Pharisees. But yet, when you look at these other issues of the heart, no, you're still unclean. The Pharisees struggled with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was saying, what you see the Pharisees do, it's not of God. Can you imagine somebody walking in this church and looking at me and saying, Ron, what you're telling the people is not of God? What a slap in the face. And that's exactly what Jesus did to the Pharisees. Because they put their traditions, their legalism, above the word of God. Let's not do that, folks. Make sure when we proclaim Christ to people, you're proclaiming what Christianity truly is. And when you talk about what Christianity truly is to people in these streets, please don't start with the external. Don't start with the external. Should there be a change in our life if we're a Christian? Absolutely. Bear fruits, right? Absolutely. The things that I used to do, I should not be doing now as a believer of 30-something years. But when we talk about what it means to know God and be right in the eyesight of God, don't you dare start with the external. You're not preaching the gospel. And some people feel, in order to get right with God, I need to come to church. Wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Some people feel in order to be right with God, I need to stop drinking. Wrong. Show me that in scripture. Should the life change? Absolutely. But you changing the external. All right, God, I got everything externally right. I'm good with you, right? He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's faith and trust in Christ for forgiveness of sins. Then when his Holy Spirit comes inside of a man or a woman, guess what starts to happen? The external starts to change. The external starts to change. The external did not change me. I was changed internally through his Holy Spirit. Then the external started to change. The Pharisees got it backwards. They said, do all the external and you'll be okay with God. Jesus comes and says, that's not the commandment of God. That's your own rule. And you're still unclean. And then he says what to the Pharisees later on? And unless you, Mr. Pharisee, unless you, Mr. Pharisee, repent, you too will die in your sins. With all of those rituals. Wow. God, I pray for all of us. It's so easy to focus on the external. The external is important. Our behavior is important, what we do. But God, it doesn't, it doesn't cleanse us. God, how we live our life and the things we do, the things we look at, the things we don't look at, the things we wear. God, all of those things should be changed because of what happened inwardly. Our hearts, Father, have been changed by you through faith in Christ alone. And your spirit now dwells in us. And now, 
Now with your Holy Spirit in us, you conform us to your son's image. God, help us not to get this backwards. God, help us not to take confidence that our life is pretty good and we do things that are pretty good. But God, help us to examine our hearts and to see, have we ever trusted in you? Have we trusted in you for forgiveness? Only Christ can cleanse our unclean hearts and give us a new heart. God, help us to proclaim that message. And then, Father, we who know you as Lord and Savior, may our lives reflect. May we walk in a manner worthy of the gospel where people will see our life is different. My life doesn't look the way it looked before I knew you. Why? Because of what you're doing, not because of what I did, Father. So, Lord, help us never to raise tradition, teachings of man above your word and who you are. God, I pray that you would take this word and Father, keep it in our minds throughout the week. Keep it in our hearts throughout the week. And Father, help us to get away, find time this week to renew our thinking with your thinking that we might represent Jesus Christ well in our respective places. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for the privilege to worship you, the privilege to be fed by your word. We pray, God, as we go, you would bless us, give us wisdom in every decision we make, and most of all, help us to look more like Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.